Hey, everybody, we're back. It's 2023. Happy New Year's. I hope you had an amazing holiday. I know. I hope everybody's rested, mm. ready to rock, Absolutely. fired up. Any Let's news? Go. Any news, Molly? You know what? Honestly, for 10 days, I couldn't have told you. But I can tell you today. You went dark. Plenty. I did go dark. You did go dark. Which good. worked. It was it worked. amazing. Um, we have a great show, though. We have major news out of mm. SpaceX. We are off and running with a big raise and an mm. up round yeah. to start the year. It's not all gloom and doom. Fantastic. Awesome. And uh, then after SpaceX, we're going to talk about Shopify. Two big news items at Shopify. They're eliminating meetings. So we're going to talk about efficiency inside of companies. And they figured out a way to route around Apple, trying to obscure retargeting of customers by allowing one Shopify seller to bundle their users and I guess share those users with other Shopify users and do custom audiences. Very clever idea. Maybe a little controversial. Molly and I will debate it. We'll take either sides of that. Yeah. And then Molly's favorite app, Dark Sky, is no more. Pour a little out for the Dark Sky app and question yeah. Apple's decision making just when it seemed like the competition mm. conversation had quieted down a little bit. And then yes. we're going to wrap with a little internet history. We look back as we look forward, oceans rise and empires fall, people. When the mm. game is over, the king and the pawn go back into the same box. We'll show you an infographic if you're watching visually uh, on one of the platforms like Spotify or YouTube. We'll show you this incredible visual of the largest sites in the internet on the internet by visits. Uh, obviously, you're going to know some of them, but uh, the change is really spectacular to see which sites get the most visits. And I'll make a prediction about how many Starlink subscribers there will be in the next seven years. It's going to be a great show. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by LinkedIn Marketing. To redeem a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, go to linkedin.com slash thisweekinstartups. And Coda is the all-in-one doc for teams. If you've got a stack of niche workflow tools or if you're buried in docs and spreadsheets, Coda is the doc that brings it all together. Startups can get a $1,000 credit at coda.io slash twist. All right, everybody, welcome to 2023, which will be a year great. of pain and suffering. Well, it's going <laughs> to be great. Virgin Reviews already. It's going to be great. And we're one minute into the year. No, it's, it's going to be, be great. great. It's a year of the rabbit. It's going to be a year of gentleness and joy and carrots. It is the year of the rabbit. Yeah. Um, I think the rabbit is about to get uh, water eaten rabbit. by a giant pack of wolves and ripped apart and shredded. I think Where? the rabbit is like going to bounce along the mountain here. And I, like three wolves are going to rip it in half. Somehow we came back to the new year with a role reversal. Like usually Jason's I'm like, so I'm optimistic. Right I'm like, and I'm like, <laughs> no, it's going to be great. I think it's going to be fine. Like, honestly, it's everything's going to just bounce back. Here's the thing. Nobody <laughs> knows. So Nobody let's knows. just start with that premise. Nobody knows, but we'll figure it out together here on the pod. <laughs> we will look at everything from first principles. We'll just break everything down. Zero, uh, what do they call it? Zero budget. Zero-based budgeting, start with a blank sheet of paper, 2023, oh, yeah. and we'll just build it up from there. Yeah. And no matter what, what occurs, right. we'll yes. be, what could go right? That's the, I love that. Let's make that our mantra for 2023. What could go right in 2023? Be fine. Because we know what can go wrong. Everything. War Definitely. in Ukraine, Taiwan, COVID. We know all the things that can did go wrong Did you spend now. the holidays with the all-in guys? Because you came back on a bummer. <laughs> I did actually. We were all up in Tahoe, three or four besties. We had dinners. It was great. Um, but poor Freeberg blew out his ACL the first day, run, you know, skiing. 
Oh, no. I'm on day 11, Molly, so I feel great. Nice. I feel great. I'm just, I think I have startup PTSD, so I'm going to put it out there, everybody. I am now in full startup PTSD mode. This year has been, you know, like, and I, but I've been through it before, but yeah. I feel like a vet who like served in World War I and World yeah. War II, and now you're like, hey, Korean War, can you come back one more time? And I'm like, what do I like got I'm left tired. here? <laughs> right. What do I got left in the tank? Yeah. Uh, literally my year, the second half of the year was layoffs and shutdowns uh, across, you know, I don't know, 50 companies, 100 companies. And I have to say, it does have a psychological effect on a human being yes. to watch people lose their jobs, to watch companies shut down. Um, but having been through this, it's part of the process. Everybody's going to be okay. We live in the modern world. But it's going to be, as I, as I predicted last year, a double-dip recession. Um, sometimes these recessions are light. They last, you know, whatever, three quarters, four quarters. But we had those two negative quarters, then a growth quarter. Now I think we're in the second part of the double dip. We're going to have two negative quarters. The fourth quarter data will come out. I think it'll be negative growth. If not, it's going to feel like that. And then first quarter, second quarter could be negative. That will represent the double dip. And I think September is when we start to feel growthy again. We start to feel opportunistic, which means, okay, you know, eight months of slog is what I predict. Eight months of slog. Okay. And slog is another way of saying opportunity. So focus on go. what matters. There's the J Cal we know. Opportunity. Mm. I, so, so based on sure. almost nothing, think that or it will yearly not be. emoji. Did salute win the emoji of the year last year? I think was it was it one the of the top ones. I think it might have been the face palm. <laughs> it might have been the face palm. <laughs> it was face palm. That basically it represents palm. it. You know, you can basically sum up. You have like a outlook. face palm and then a salute. Like just I'm now in salute it. mode. Back to it. I was yeah. in face palm for the year emoji. This year is going to be salute emoji for me. I think we're going to be okay. And here's why. Because okay. people can't take anymore. I like genuinely ah. think that there is going to be a a, a bounce mm. back fueled by sheer force of will. Like, you know what? No, I'm not coming mm. from three years of freaking pandemic into mm -hmm. economic like downturn it. into just like, like 2222 was a GD bummer, mm. all caps. Gosh darn. And I'm over it. Yes. And I, for one, expect my level of over it to translate into financial performance. And I believe that yeah. it is going to like, I think people okay. are just like, no, absolutely not over it. You see investors like toward the end of the year, there started to be more and more stories where it was like, investors are feeling confident. Like it didn't, mm. you know, it was rough, but it hasn't been as bad as people thought it was going to be. And all like, so economics is psychological. It just yes. is sentiment driven. And I really firmly believe that the actual prevailing sentiment right now is nope. <laughs> I like it. I like this approach. Doing that anymore. <laughs> I, I like this approach of like so sheer force of will. We it has to get better. And I mean, listen, there are green shoots happening. Yes. So for all the layoffs that are occurring, I am seeing green shoots. One of the green shoots uh, I'm seeing is some fundings and for some strong companies keep happening. Mm -hmm. uh, over the weekend, news broke that uh, SpaceX, uh, which I bought two. Um, I rockets. bought two. Just kidding. No, I didn't buy two rockets. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, well played. <laughs> I play. I bought two Starlinks. One for this house here up in the mountains, uh, mm -hmm. and one for my home in uh, the Bay Area as backups. Now you're like, hey, wait a second. That seems like a luxury item. And to an extent, spending a thousand dollars a year—it's two thousand dollars incremental—is a luxury item. But you start thinking about my job. When I lose internet, I can't do this podcast. Mm -hmm. 
so for $2,000 a year for me to have a backup Starlink that goes into my unified router, and we haven't figured out how to do this yet, but it should automatically fail over. We don't have automatic failover yet, but we will. Yeah, this is going to be a pretty uh, great uh, use case for me. And then eventually, if Starlink is better than my wire connection, I might just turn off my wire connection. So I feel very bullish about SpaceX because of Starlink. But take us through what's happened here. I think this is a really interesting note, because when people hear SpaceX, I don't know that they always associate it immediately with Starlink. And so that's a little bit of what we're going to break down here and why Mm. uh, SpaceX is able to raise $750 million right now at a $137 billion dollar valuation with yum, A16Z yum. leading the round. That, by the way, that valuation would make SpaceX more valuable than Salesforce, which is at $133 billion current market cap. Netflix, $129 billion, and Lockheed Martin, $125 billion. Um, this is also, I believe, a slight up round. It's slight. It's about 8% higher valuation than its May 2022 valuation of $127 billion. But it is an up round to your point, right? It's a green mm. shoot. It's yeah. a huge raise and it is a slight up round. They, uh, SpaceX had a huge 2022. They raised more than $2 billion in that year, <laughs> which was eight days. It's like always so weird to talk about that last year, five days ago. Um, again, they were most recently valued at $127 billion in May, 2022. Starlink is, uh, the investable opportunity here. I mean, that's mm. sort of where the, that's like the secret moneymaker, I think, that people hadn't necessarily realized. And Starlink surpassed a million subscribers wow. in 2022. That was, that was yeah. fast. That was fast. And then SpaceX surpassed 60 reusable rocket launches in a single year via. I did see you launch with that, yeah. And to be clear, just as a standard disclaimer, uh, since most people consider me the Elon whisperer, I have no inside information. Elon's my friend, but I don't have inside information about can this. Can you ask him if I can have my own rocket? <laughs> no, no, please do not use me. Literally, you know, it was, it was so much better when people didn't know we were friends. Don't you think like a Mollywood on the side of a rocket would be awesome? Can you just ask him real quick? If, How I many mean, can you ask him text to This get was something day? that happened with Travis a lot during the Uber uh, heyday. Yeah. And Travis was running is, you know, like, hey, can Travis give the keynote at this day? I'm like, I, I don't yeah, know, can totally. he? Um, but here's, here's what I do now. Um, they framed the Starlink, and this is as a consumer, I know this, um, they, they framed Starlink as a better than nothing beta. Mm-hmm. That's a really smart way to do it mm-hmm. because they were still putting up the satellites. Last I checked, and there is a really great visualization of this online. I think they have 3000 satellites in orbit of these, you know, low earth orbit satellites. That's how you get the high speed and the low latency. The closer the satellite is to earth, the if you think of a cone, if it's if you put a satellite really far in space, the cone is really wide, mm-hmm. right? That's the area of coverage. If you lower it, the cone gets smaller, right? It's, it's a smaller area of coverage. The smaller area of coverage then is faster because the, the satellite is closer to Earth. Very simple way. Just imagine a cone coming, like an ice cream cone coming out of the bottom of the satellite. So with these other services, I think they had like a dozen of these satellites out there. Now you, and here it is, there's the Starlink, um... Uh, if you're watching this on youtube.com slash this weekend, you can see like the satellite array and, you know, these things are flying through the air, but they're close to ground, close to the ground, which means lower latency. Latency is the time between when you make a request and it goes um, to the satellite and back. So it does work perfectly for Zoom. Unless your satellite isn't set up perfect, your, your dish isn't set up personally, this is my personal experience, or mm-hmm. like there could be weather conditions, I think that can 
you know, alter it a little bit. Uh, and then the density of those. So for one area, right. if too many people have it, obviously could slow down. So it's a little bit, and I don't know if this is even solvable. It's mm. not symmetrical internet. We should point out like the download speeds are much better than the upload speeds. So sometimes Correct. the zoom can be a little bit choppy. But again, we, yeah. if you're imagining that this is a low expectations beta, I think what has happened and the reason that it's gotten to penetration so quickly in places mm -hmm. that literally did not have broadband options. Yeah. Like you look at, sure, places in the Arctic, but huge chunks of the United States, right? You look at like Navajo Nation. There just are not, in the middle of the country, there just are not high speed yes. internet solutions available. And satellite and has basically been mm, a joke internet service. And Starlink appeared and people were like, well, yeah, great. Let's go. A million people signed up. If you're a B2B marketer, business to business, your needs are unique. You know that. B2B buying cycles are long. Your customers face really complex decisions. And most of the time, traditional marketing channels just don't cut it. You're not going to reach them on traditional marketing channels. And they're not making impulsive buys. They're making thoughtful, well-researched buys, aren't they? Right? You do that in your business. So here's the good news. LinkedIn ads is built specifically for business-to-business -business marketers. That means you. So here's the only stat you'll ever need to know on why you have to market on LinkedIn. LinkedIn ads gives you direct access to, wait for it, here it is, the number keeps growing, 875 million members. The march to a billion LinkedIn members continues. Now, what's important about those 875 million members? They're not all rank and file. 180 million of those 875, they are senior level executives and 10 million are in the C-suite. That makes sense, right? And those are the folks that are incredibly hard to reach, but they use LinkedIn all day long. No other platform in the world can offer those kind of eyeballs. LinkedIn is also going to help you reach your audience in a respectful business environment. When people are on LinkedIn, they're doing business. Here's another amazing staff. Your audience is exposed to brand messages on LinkedIn are six times more likely to convert. Let it sink in. And audiences on LinkedIn have twice the buying power of the average web audience. This totally makes sense, right? So make B2B marketing everything it can be and get $100 credit on your next campaign. What? A hundy? For free? That's right. LinkedIn.com slash This Week in Startups to claim your $100 credit. Terms and conditions apply. So just to think about this, putting aside SpaceX's rocket launch business, which is a vibrant business, uh, as you pointed out, they did 60 of these launches already. And, you know, they've got the, the big mega rocket coming out, <clears throat> um, you know, on the Mars trip and, and you know, going around uh, and the, the moon and stuff like that. You, you can... And it's really funny. We, we're now our producers are running the our producer notes through ChatGPT. Yeah. So a lot of the notes I'm going to give you here this are something from ChatGPT, which I have now figured out is just the ultimate plagiarizing content form. And I think there's going to be huge lawsuits around this. Like, I think ChatGPT should be required to put where it sourced the information from. Mm, that would be so actually really great. Like Wikipedia. Exactly. Yeah. So this is going to be, and I, uh, somebody's going to have to clip this here, message to Sam Altman. If ChatGPT gives data, it should say where it got that data from and start putting some links to it. Because that would be fair to the data provider. Mm -hmm. If not, then the data providers should opt out of having their information in ChatGPT. I don't know why this hasn't come up in the conversation, but I had this great revelation over the holidays when producer Brian was like, asking me like, hey, what's a good stinger? We were talking about like a, a little transition for big little things, our segment on big little things. And I said, oh, well, let me ask ChatGPT. 
<laughs> and I was like basically trolling him a little bit. Yeah. And uh, now he's trolling me back in the show notes today exactly. saying the notes about SpaceX are coming from like, well, this- GPT says blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, and it's true. So now you're like, oh, do you need producers? It's like, maybe the producers can do more, right? You have bionic producers. Right. So they can, but it would be well, fairer if it put the citation. And yeah. so this is what is going to be required of ChatGPT. Let's put that on the side here. I like to do bottom up TAMs total addressable market we talk about this with startups constantly mm -hmm. if you just look at a couple of markets you know let's look at india mm -hmm. population of uh, whatever is 1.4 billion 260 million households so when you're looking at statistics it's good to look at households because an internet connection would be bought by household not by individuals right so it's not like but smartphones would be bought by individuals so mm -hmm. 260 million um households they have 600 million broadband connections so some of those are obviously businesses right Yep. Um, and so you got to think, you know, 10% of, you know, those homes, if they just in India, mm -hmm. uh, and they were paying, let's say 45 bucks a month, maybe I don't know, they paid 30 bucks a month, something in that range, let's say 30 bucks a month, you could be talking about 20 billion a year, right? Just in India. Yeah. Cause they're not going to pay the same amount. They're not going to pay 90 bucks a month. Like sure. here, but they probably pay 20 bucks a month. Yeah, so hmm. in, in India, they might be charging 90 a month, I think, like, you know, any other service, maybe they'll start at 90, but eventually it's going to have to, if they're going to hit the mass market, be right. priced for that market. And then I think a lot of, uh, you look at the US population, 330 million people, we talk about that all the time, 120 million households, we've got 300 million broadband connections here. Again, businesses are a big part of that. Mm -hmm. They get 10% of that market, 30 million, $110 a month. You know, it's about 40 billion a year in the US. So there's a big prize at stake here. You start thinking about those numbers, and then you think about how profitable this could be. The satellite array, that constellation is essentially a fixed cost business, you put it up, there's going to be some maintenance, some will come down, some will go up, but there's a redundancy there, I believe. So, you know, they could be lowering the price once it's fixed cost, they could start lowering the prices and get more people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just combine markets like that you know, brazil is another big market people forget how big brazil is um you know brazil u.s and india alone yeah. india alone you know you start looking at hundreds of billions of dollars in potential revenue with just a small percentage of the market and then you know so anyway let, let's just stop there any right. any thoughts on that in terms of the total addressable market for these services no, I mean, I think we should go on to this idea of it as supplemental internet too. And the question of like, and yeah. does Starlink currently have all of this is predicated on households? You mentioned businesses. Yeah. Presumably, there will be a business offering at some point. When oh, there it's is, business offering now. Yeah, it's I business mean, offering now. Like I that mean, exists. Basically, but you I'm can using... start to do segmented pricing when you have enough kind of critical mass and economies yeah. of scale of satellites in orbit. Then yeah. you and and then there will be presumably like in amazon supposedly has been working on this and launching lower earth orbit satellites and yeah. and is maybe going to do an internet service There'll eventually be three of these i think so then I think there the will be competition will two or three yeah and you'll start to but then the competition leads awareness right it's like when you put a starbucks on every block all of a sudden everybody wants a coffee shop like absolutely coffee bean does better rising tide lifts all boats uh and that's the moment the million people who have this are early adopters like us yep and then we're going to go to the early majority uh, if you look up the bell curve there and kind of see this, and then you'll have the laggards, right? And for businesses, uh, and to just give two comparables here, Verizon yes. and AT&T, you know, their revenue in the United States in 2021, 133 for 
billion uh, for Verizon and 169 or so for AT&T in 2021. Mm -hmm. And they have other businesses, but they're primarily data businesses. And I think yeah. that's what people are seeing here. Now, and it is good to note that even before we get into kind of the other use cases for Starlink, this is just that side of the house. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think SpaceX has ever revealed the breakdown in revenue, you know, mm. the NASA contracts, for example, yeah. versus. So uh, we have no idea how much of the business Starlink contributes, mm -hmm. but all by itself. Yes. It's a potentially hundred plus billion dollar a year market with 10% of just say the top three global markets. And people have been talking about and I, this. I don't think Elon's ever said this, but I've seen tons of people speculating that Starlink would then be spun out and be its own uh, IPO. And then right. you'd have the SpaceX business and then you have the Starlink businesses. So there could be two ponies inside this one barn. Mm. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, that could be amazing. You could make a bet on SpaceX for putting satellites in space and going to Mars. You can make a bet on Starlink just for providing it. Um, the thing I think that people are not taking into account here uh, because these there's a lot of news that's hiding in plain sight. When you do these market uh, analysis, when I do a market analysis, I learned from Bill Gurley and Uber. That was my first upfront uh, seat to me not understanding as an investor or as a human what market size was. And he, you know, when people first started talking about Uber, they were saying, okay, the market size is Lincoln Town Cars, what we call black cars, mm -hmm. livery cars, high end, you know, rich people, you know, taking $100 Lincoln Continental Lincoln Town Cars. Then you said, okay, cabs, add to that. Then people said, oh, yeah, what about rental cars? Because some people might, when they go to LA, not rent a car and then go full Uber. Oh, then what about David Sachs? He stopped driving his car and he recaptured that time he went full Uber. Okay, he's a rich VC. You know, he's odd. But well, then, oh, we had Uber X come out. Okay, Uber X. Yeah, a young person in LA, a young person in New York might, who might have bought a car at some point in their life might just go full Uber X. Mm-hmm. All of those things contributed to the total addressable market that weren't anticipated Airbnb. You have people taking longer vacations. Uh, you have people who are nomadic in lifestyle. You have um, people taking more frequent vacations. Mm -hmm. All because So you can't compare it to just hotel rooms because the hotels still exist, exist in Paris, and, but all these extra rooms emerged and it Changed just had more travel, travel longer yeah. stays. Yeah. So here's what people are missing out on. And you'll see this if you just say, you know, like Starlink plus a keyword on Twitter. Do a search on Twitter. Starlink boat, Starlink car, Starlink RV, etc. And you will see people in the wild using Starlink in weird kind of ways. Royal Caribbean and the cruise lines are now using Starlink. Everybody, yeah. I've never been on a cruise. You've been on cruises. Everybody complains about the internet on cruises. I, I do not cruise. Oh, you're not I've cruise. never okay. cruised. Okay, great. Maybe it's cool. I don't know. Anyway, but, uh, but apparently I'm sure it's really hard to get internet. Like you can find lots of Starlink. Yeah, it was Starlink very expensive is what I understand and slow Yeah, on cruises. So now people with boats are all putting Starlinks on their boats. And then you have RVs. Now they're Starlink for RVs. Then you have oh, uh, awesome. outposts uh, and they have planes. They've come up with the one for planes. And then you have buses. Here's what I predict will happen. I predict that and I don't have inside information. But I believe what's going to happen eventually is every, and there was a startup doing this in Spain with a, it was one of these startups that was doing like share your Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. they had pitched me 10 years ago on in spain i think they were doing it in barcelona or galicia or some town they put wi-fi on every single bus and then they created a mesh network and then they created a wi- a wi-fi hotspot in the entire city because buses right. were moving around so yeah. they want to know where the buses are they got to put an internet connection on it why not share it mm-hmm. i predict that every tesla produced will have a satellite dish on it i don't have any inside information on this it's just a prediction but imagine if every cyber truck eventually or every uh one of the tesla semi trucks or every had other this car built in even there's no reason they can't license it eventually or to license it just like know, satellite like, radio was in every yeah. car what does that mean i have spectrum i think at home and or one of these services and then when i'm on other when i'm traveling sometimes like hey you want to connect to this person's wi-fi and you can make your wi-fi shared mm-hmm. so i and like boingo wireless guy didn't create it i think this is going to be a boingo kind of solution yeah where once you have an account even if you don't have starlink on your home you might be able to buy a starlink 25 dollar a month subscription which then lets you go on to any at any time with yep. your mobile phone all around yeah so totally. i mean there's, there's no, a lot of and- kids who d- have mobile phones without cellular service right their yeah. parents give them in their old phone now imagine for 10 bucks a month, you can get onto the Starlink service for some amount. Yeah. I mean, internet service providing hmm. and providing of an internet service that is, it's so interesting because it is obviously a massive infrastructure investment, mm-hmm. but it's an infrastructure investment that can also generate revenue. Like hmm. I was thinking earlier, how clever it is, you know, to look, to spin up a rocket company is just a bunch of CapEx hmm. with government sales pipelines and it's really hard to attach an internet services business to your rocket company is genius because yeah. they each pay for each other and yeah. so if you're verizon and you want to lay fiber or you want to install 5g uh network nodes all over and you know towns are putting up flyers saying that you're giving everybody cancer like you're your infrastructure, you can maybe do peering agreements to make some money off of that infrastructure, but mostly what it is is CapEx. It's just cost. So yeah. Tesla, so SpaceX, sorry, SpaceX has this great business where the rockets make money, the satellites make money, and they can pay for each other. So the inf- the cost of putting up all that infrastructure is completely worth it and maybe even like evens itself out. Here's my prediction. One million subscribers turns into 100 million subscribers in uh, under seven years. So in seven years, they'll have 100 million subscribers. So one goes to five, five goes to 15. So one goes to five in a year. Five goes to 15 in year two. 15 goes to 30 in year three. 30 goes to 50 in year four. 50 goes to 75. And somewhere around year six or seven or eight, They'll have 100 million of these connections, 100 million connections on average at $75 each. I think that's $7.5 billion uh, in revenue per month. So 100 million would be yes, like way less than 10% of the global online population. Correct. So just in terms of calculating that, Tam, if you're sitting at home thinking that sounds like a crazy number, the, yeah. in 2015 alone... They had estimated that 3.2 billion people would be online by the end of the year. So one assumes that there are probably what five billion people online right now. Something like that. Four point five billion. Four point five billion broadband connections worldwide. So 100 million of that is de minimis, as Jason might say. As Jason might say, eight billion people on the planet. 
divide that by 10, you get 800 million. Divide that by 10 again, you get 80. Uh, wait, 8 billion to 800 to 80. Mm-hmm. So 1% of the global population having one of these connections would be 80 million uh, people. In seven years, yeah. And that is why, years. friends, that's mm-hmm. why SpaceX Probably just raised on a slight up round. <laughs> that's my hot take. Uh, and so I think these things are going to be everywhere. And it's going to make you question, do I need to have a cellular connection? Mm-hmm. So just like we saw dial-up go away and landlines go away, now I think the conversation moves to which works better, a cellular, a cable connection, a fiber connection, or a satellite connection? Yeah. And I think most homes, this is my other big prediction, are going to be two connection homes. Internet is so integrated into what we do, mm-hmm. it's so critical. Why wouldn't we have two? That's like the idea that people would have more than one television in their home seemed crazy in the mm-hmm. 50s right it was so expensive where well, would you put them is. they're so big that's not this is not a wild prediction either every home already is a tumble connection home because we have cell phone service and like go. when my internet goes out i use my cell phone service so the idea Correct. of getting yet another connection like a backup connection is simple you have Although, a connection frankly, in your home i would yeah. do anything to be able to have like satellite cell phone service instead of paying verizon to not build infrastructure in my area. This is where like the the big, big, big story here we're missing oh, is the me. infrastructure story. Like I'm just yeah. going to go back to that even though it's so freaking nerdy, which is that because they have a successful rocket business that NASA's paying them to build, mm-hmm. yep. putting up infrastructure is, mm. a, is part of the business instead of a cost of the business. So yeah. because Verizon and AT&T are foot dragon and redlining and ditches. like not bother, and they have to dig ditches and they have to do a, like, it, the infrastructure, like the reason that Starlink is going to get there faster is yeah. because they're putting satellites in the sky, which seems yeah. so counterintuitive, like digging a hole versus launching a rocket. Yeah. But the infrastructure cost for them is already paid for. Make 2023 the year that your startup starts firing on all cylinders. Well, how are you going to do that? You're going to do it using Coda, C-O-D-A. Coda is here to help you do more with less. In Coda, your team can work on entire projects from start to finish, and you have everything you need in one place. We're in the efficiency revolution right now, so it's the perfect time for you to jump in, right? Everybody's got to do more with less. You got to get the most out of each of your team members. So you know what happens when your work is spread out across a bunch of different tools. Productivity suffers, right? In this market, speed, efficiency, and cohesion is going to help keep your startup dream alive. And Coda is the doc that brings it all together. We use Coda here at This Week in Startups. Hey, we track all my J trades. Go to thisweekinstartups.com slash J trading. And you can see all the gorgeous things a Coda page can do. Pulling in data from different sources, allowing multiple people to edit it, seeing all the changes that are made to the page, the history, linking to other pages within your Coda instance. You can operate and collaborate in one place to get projects done faster. And time is money, you know that. So take advantage of this special limited time offer just for startups. Sign up today at coda.io slash twist and you will get a $1,000 startup credit on your first statement. I kid you not. coda.io slash twist for $1,000 in sign up credits. coda.io slash twist. All right, yeah. And just so you know, give producer, our chat, chat, our producer chat GPT tells me uh, <laughs> Verizon had 134 million wireless cell connections in 2021. Right now, my <laughs> producers are like, what's our job? <laughs> producer Sam. Uh, producer we're gonna, Sam. We're going to call, call it Sam. Producer Altman. <laughs> From now on, 
I want to refer to Chat GPT as producer Altman, uh, producer Sam Altman, who I works like for me producer now. Producer Sam. Producer Sam. It's more uh, friendly. Altman, it says uh, AT&T, 145 million wireless cell connections. I trust Chat GPT with these numbers. Because you know Chat GPT, here's what Chat GPT did. Instead of giving you all the blue links like Google did, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, indexing all that data, they're just scraping the data. They just pick the right one. Running it through a processor and rephrasing it, plagiarizing it. This is it's what not, I've come to. It's actually not it's a, plagiarism. It's a mass plagiarism tool. It's, it's indexed the world's information. And instead of giving the rightful owner the click and the view. It's literally what they, people said about Google. You can go back. You can yes, use Google to go back yes. in time and find the exact same article written about Google when Google launched. Right. Like, oh, if Google's giving you a snippet, it's just plagiarism. But it's not. Uh, well, Google giving the snippet, at least it was the snippet not re-edited re-edited is what makes it not plagiarism but re-edited based on somebody else's work without their permission it's not plagiarism is not like plagiarism is what every kid kid does right now they take out of the source and they rephrase sentences so it's like plagiarism producer sam asked how many at&t wireless cell connections producer nick asked producer sam how many (laughs) at&t wireless cell connections at&t and producer sam altman said AT&T is one of the largest telecommunications in the United States. As of 2021, it is estimated that AT&T has about 140 million, 45 million wireless cell connections. Sunbridge consists constantly changing as AT&T adds new customers and as existing customers change their wireless firms. AT&T is known as the wide area coverage. So what I would do is I'm going to guess if you do a Google search and you pick the top four results here and you look at the top four results in Google, including the Wikipedia, then you could back into this and say which facts did they pull from which websites and then if you built a tool where you just told a human rephrase this in your own words mm-hmm. that's in some ways what chat gpt is doing i know i'm i'm greatly simplifying it i know that it's doing all these chunks and predicting it's the next paraphrasing. word yeah but it's it's like if i told it's like you said if you told a student write an article on you know i don't know rhode island and mm-hmm. they went to the wikipedia page they wrote all the facts down then they put the facts on a piece of paper and then they rephrased it. Would that be yeah. plagiarism or not? It's not considered plagiarism. It's not considered plagiarism. Like you, but I will say an mm. important aspect of that is citing your sources. Like you can paraphrase from sources. Yes. You are supposed to cite them. So this However, is going to be how this rephrasing, like taking from multiple sources and because that's what ChatGPT is doing too, right? In no way is it ever presenting something, I assume, from just one source. Mm-hmm. It's aggregated sources. It's it. pulling from multiple and it's paraphrasing them all together. Now, can if you, somebody could we... come along and be like, I wrote this paragraph in this textbook and ChatGPT took the exact same information and just rearranged the words a little and didn't cite me, mm-hmm. then we might, then you would be creeping closer to plagiarism, but paraphrasing and repackaging information from multiple sources, like, no way. That's not going to fly. That's just Google. That's literally Google. Uh, can somebody ask ChatGPT to write a play in which ChatGPT <laughs> and OpenAI is sued by content producers in court and done. they have famous attorneys figuring out if ChatGPT has broken the law and stolen the content. Can we, can we write a play in ChatGPT of that just to get super meta here? <laughs> And ChatGPT is going to end it with, I win. <laughs> I win. It's just going to win. Right. Like, listen, there it is. Write a play in which ChatGPT and OpenAI sued uh, by content producers in court. They have famous attorneys trying to figure out if ChatGPT broke the law. Enter. 
Here we go, folks. Oh my god, that's sorry. I'm not able to oh. play Hitman Rises. It goes beyond my capabilities. Uh-huh. Now it's like, but here are some legal issues. Ooh, if ChatGPT or OpenAI use content produced by others without proper access information, they could be sued for copyright infringement. This would depend on the specific circumstances of the case and the laws of the jurisdiction filed. Another potential legal issue: liability of ChatGPT and OpenAI. I'm more by their artificial intelligence. This is good. Yeah, I mean, this is crazy. Um. We now are asking ChatGPT, what is the if best- If we should sue ChatGPT. Yeah. What are ChatGPT's biggest legal, legal liabilities, liabilities as a service? As a service. Oh, here we go. It is not accurate to refer to ChatGPT as a service, as ChatGPT is not a real entity. ChatGPT is a name that has been used to refer to a specific version of a large language model trained by OpenAI. As a language model, ChatGPT does not have any legal liabilities or obligations. That is genius. If it were- to be offered as part of a product, then it could potentially be held liable for any legal issues arising from the use of ChatGPT. So what it's saying is, hey man, I'm just a mirror. Yeah. Like I'm just a tool here. You, I'm Google. It's mm-hmm. the, it, like you're describing it the way that everybody described Google when it first started to aggregate content yeah. and present it in snippets. And mm-hmm. it's saying, I'm just Google. Well, but Google just in Australia tool. lost their case for news and they have to start paying news providers. Sure. But everybody all over the rest of the world was like, no, nah, that's dumb. Even here. Like, even, mm, I think <laughs> even big news providers were like, no, nah, that shouldn't. Nah, yeah. Yeah. It is gonna, I think it becomes, an entity that in almost all cases, these things become settlements. All right, let's move on to the news here. I yeah, think we let's do it. We got some news. interesting Toby Lutke. We got some interesting Shopify oh, uh, information today. But Speaking. New one. Yes. Spoiler alert of being sued. Spoiler alert for my prediction. Um, Two huge announcements. One, the company has created a workaround for Apple's ad tracking, uh, app tracking transparency. Okay. So as you know, uh, Apple crushed the ad targeting market back in 2021 with the app tracking transparency update in uh, iOS 14 and a half that gave users the ability to opt out of being tracked. That specifically hurt D2C and consumer packaged goods, uh, CPG companies many of which, of course, relied heavily on Facebook and Google ads, and many of which were Shopify businesses, part of Shopify's mm. like aggregated network of retailers. Mm. Now, Shopify is trying to prop up some of that D2C business and fill the ad targeting void by creating a new tool called Audiences. Mm. And here's how it works. Um, so it in 2022, Shopify made these deals with Meta and Google for this Audiences marketing tool. So like we'll use these ad networks to market to our consumers. Um, and the way the tool works is that Shopify retailers can pool their customer data mm-hmm. and then upload that data to Meta and Google's ad platforms. Mm. And then marketers at these Shopify companies, the retailers themselves, can target ads to lookalike customers Great. based on all of Shopify's aggregated data who Love might it. be more likely to buy their products. This is a workaround for Apple's new privacy features. And this is what I asked our real life producers when we were going over the notes. I said, as a person, mm-hmm. a consumer on the internet, yes. what, do, what comes to mind when you hear Shopify retailers can pool their customer data and upload it to Meta and Google's ad platforms? Hmm. What comes to mind? Yes. So, What's your response if- to that sentence? Yeah. So if they, uh, is there any personally identifiable information there? Um, yes. And assume yes, there always is. Everybody says there's not, but there is. Yeah. I mean, it, there could be privacy issues and should people be able to opt into that or not? 
So there is some data. You said a much nicer too. version of what I said, which is what the f- frig, frig. Is and I, yeah, also, I mean, you are going to get a phone call from Margaret the Vestiger over at the European Union because consumers who bought at one Shopify store, yeah, did in not expect. No way opted mm. in to having okay. all of their data aggregated with every other store and uploaded to Google and Meta. I would say, uh, as a Shopify shareholder. My interpretation <laughs> of this is brilliant. Uh, <laughs> yes, and, that too. <laughs> uh, I think users will appreciate getting more targeted ads <laughs> as a think, shareholder at Shopify. I'm all for this. <laughs> yeah, I also, mean, possibly correct. I, it's it's another one of these issues where uh, people opting into it is the issue, and so yeah. yes, uh, consumers, it better say in a terms of service somewhere that we have the ability on shopify's platform to use your information to target ads to you and if it doesn't say that in the terms of service and its consumers are not aware of it uh they just need to make that people super aware of that it's very much like this um shopify checkout or the other checkout services if consumers opt into it where it's in the terms of service uh, and then you go to the next shopify store and you don't have to put your credit card information and it knows who you are and you log in and it's all good yeah uh it's a feature and it's fine. And so this might require everybody to re-opt in kind of situation. I'm going through this to a lesser extent. Like we moved off of one email service provider and we started these Substacks because mm-hmm. Substack is free and it has a network effect. So I was like, okay. And it has the chat feature. So I was going to give it a shot and I don't have to pay for my email services anymore. When I did that, I had my team run all the email lists through like a third-party software, which was really impressive. There's third-party software right now that will tell you, hey, these people are known, these email addresses are known to complain about spam. I don't know mm-hmm. how they get that information. Mm. Uh, these are dead emails. They kind of basically give a health check. And so I have like Jason's list, which is a 15-year-old list. And I got to take off like, I don't know, of the 70,000 people on, I took off like 20,000 people. Bad emails, people who often complain about spam. I don't want those people on the list. They can re-opt in if they want it. And so I think this like, really cleaning up lists kind of situation and then resetting the expectation with consumers is a smart move i think that would be a very smart move that there is no sign of shop by making so far what they're trying what they're claiming is Mm -hmm. that according to the ft article that we read about it which doesn't mention a consumer opt-in or opt-out at all Mm -hmm. is that shopify is arguing that retailer data is first party as opposed to third party so they're trying to say if you came and shopped at a shopify store you shop Mm -hmm. on shopify the way that you would shop on amazon got it and so we are allowed as a res- even though it's an aggregated network of retailers as opposed to like a direct service itself that also includes yeah. an aggregated network now that's a that's a fine slicing argument. right it's a fine no argument. argument it is i'm just gonna say now a big mistake not to make a lot of noise about consumer opt-in or opt-out about this. And by mistake, I mean the kind that the EU calls about you about it. Like it's just an own goal. You basically, you know, have to think about jurisdiction as a startup and uh, it's clever. I mean, if the counter argument would be, uh, or like a parallel argument to try to think, I always try to think intellectually, honestly, as a shareholder, I'm conflicted. Right. Intellectually, honestly, if I visit a WordPress site, Mm -hmm. You know, let's say mollywood.com. I don't know if you, ha- oh, wait, sorry. That's the, that's not a good site to go to. Don't oh. go to Mollywood. No. What is your domain name? The Molly. <laughs> if you go to the Molly, please don't go to mollywood.com. 
Nobody goes We've there. had this discussion 10 years ago. <laughs> if you go to themolly.com, you can get the greatest MDMA therapy you ever wanted. Somebody's <laughs> going to offer you- I just you... took the website down, and when is somebody going to offer me a ton of money for it? Because I'm ready. I think they will. I think themolly.com is going to be an MDMA right here, couples therapy uh, website when this becomes legal. I'm accepting States offers. Next year. Um, so what I think will happen is, like, if, if you were, if I went to calacanus.com, I went to themolly.com, both are hosted on WordPress. Would it be cool for us to have an expectation that because we both use the same platform right. to host our content or our shop that we were had a terms of service with it? I don't know. It's a, exactly. it's a, it's a sort of borderline issue. It's I'm tricky enough. Tricky like, enough. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? If it's gray yeah, in the, in the environment we live in now, if it's gray, yeah. don't try to fudge it. Like that no. would be my advice to Shopify is tackle the privacy implications head on. Sure. Give people, I, yeah. I understand that giving people the opportunity to opt out yeah. is similar to the app tracking transparency thing in the first place. But yeah. what the app tracking transparency thing signaled in the first place is the end of this kind of mashugana. Yes. Because it is being cracked down upon. So you don't yeah. want to be on the wrong side of that. Yeah. They're going to just have to make this clear. Yeah. It's fine. Hey everyone, it's Molly Wood, co-host of This Week in Startups and Managing Director here at Launch, where our mission is to back builders and help build founders. To do that, we're trying to create as many opportunities as we can for you to learn how to start a company. And now we've made that education a lot more portable. Founder University Podcast is a short form video podcast for founders to learn tactical advice from other founders and operators. It is for you. It's for startup founders, startup executives and founding team members, and even aspiring founders with an idea or who are trying to build an MVP. The format is super consumable. It's 10 to 15 minute tactical talks with the goal of being able to implement what you just learned right away. Along with the Founder University podcast, we also have the Founder University blog, founder.university slash blog, where you can get the same tactical advice in written form. Here's some of the content you can expect from the podcast. How to write investor updates. This is crucial. How to find a co-founder, how to design loved products, how to acquire customers on social media, how to build an email campaign. I mean, we're talking the literal nuts and bolts of building and running a successful company. Learn more and subscribe at founder.university slash podcast. But there was also this thing about meetings. Toby's banning meetings. Super interesting. Yeah, their okay. other interesting thing. So that was the in, external. For the yeah, partners. that's the now external. About the internal. Super interesting. The external is that at Shopify, and all of this is re in response to slowing growth at Shopify. We should be clear. Yes. So much like every other company, they're saying, okay, we're looking for ways to get more efficient in 2023. Yes. And one of the ways that we're going to do that is no freaking meetings so they said uh friend of the pod and shopify ceo toby lukey sent a company-wide email detailing its new policy mm. around meetings all calendar meetings with more than two people mm. have been eliminated oh one-on-ones like only it. no meetings can be held love on it. wednesdays love it meetings with 50 plus employees will get shoehorned into a six-hour window on thursdays with a limit okay. of one a week and employees okay. are encouraged to decline meetings and mm. remove themselves from large group chats. According to Forbes, Shopify expects to eliminate 10,000 calendar events company-wide. As you said in the early part of the show, when we we're debating like 2023, like this is part of the, we have to be more efficient. We got to do more with less. Yep. 
we have to get growth back. I'm going to basically, you said, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm going to go down swinging. I'm not going to have this anymore. So what all leaders are doing, uh, I started it today with our sales team here at this week and started Hey, let's do a daily stand up. And over the break, I said, Hey, let's look at this CRM software we're doing. Are we using every feature? Mm -hmm. So if it's going to take twice as long for a sales team to sell half as much, how do you counter that? Well, you have to make you can make twice as you can make four times as many phone calls. Mm-hmm. You could be uh, you could make better packages or upsell people for fifty percent more on their spend. You got to come up with some system to counter a slower market, mm-hmm. and this is part of that. He's saying, "Hey, I'm, he downsized the company already. Now he's saying instead of laying people off, what if I or hiring more people? What if I just make everybody twenty percent more efficient?" And what I'm hearing here is more like less reactivity and more work how much of our jobs are responding to email responding to slacks as opposed to time boxing and saying i'm going to spend these two hours finding companies to email to invest in i'm going to spend these this hour you know emailing people to come on the show i'm going to spend these Mm -hmm. four hours making clips that grow the podcast whatever your business is time boxing and we we did a founder university episode on this we've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast Mm mm-hmm Everybody in your organization this week could become 10% more efficient. What that means is if everybody this week could be 10% more efficient, not adding hours, adding efficiency, if you've got a 20 person company, you just hired your next two people, or you didn't have to lay off your last two people. Yeah. So this is what everybody has to do esprit de corpse in a down market, get together and say, in your company, what's slowing us down? Endless meetings, look at your calendar. And I did a calendar review in November, December with some folks. And I was like, wait a second, this important person is doing customer service stuff when they could be doing phone calls with LPs for fund four, launch mm-hmm. fund four. Okay, let's, let's get that off of this person's plate and move it on to this person's plate who gets paid a third of what that person gets paid or whatever it is to, you know, move this stuff around. Yep. And um, yeah, be more efficient. Great the job, meeting? Toby. It's interesting too, because meetings, I mean, this is, I, I think this is, addition by subtraction in the best possible way because the way that you get to efficiency is a hundred percent about figuring about editing yeah and he said you know was quoted as saying the best thing founders can do is subtraction everybody knows that they have too many meetings especially at like at a big company at a big company there are so many stupid meetings where at least half the people who are in the meeting don't need to be there Mm-hmm. And it's just a time suck. And to take that away means that people don't have to work from 6 to 8 p.m. Because mm-hmm. they just got back two hours that they were wasting. Yeah. Like, this is great. This is great right. management. These kinds of efficiencies are key. And even just saying, like, I'm, I try my damnedest to make Friday a no meeting day. Mm. Because, or to make it an only internal meeting day. Yeah. Because they're, t- they're like, you have to make room for work time boxing does that time boxing says yeah. these three hours are just for me to literally do the work instead yes. of talk about the work hundred percent i love this yep quote from shopify's vp of product people join shopify to build to make cool ish ish to see the thing they had their hands on get released so they can say whoa i made that meetings are a bug along that journey Elon says, like, if you're in a meeting, I think one of his meeting rules is if you're in a meeting, you're not contributing, leave. It's okay to leave. He gave permission to people to walk out of a meeting if they don't feel they need to be there. That's, you know, I think meeting culture, middle management culture is something that kills companies. You want people in a company to be building something, you make something, you sell something, you support the people who do those two things. This is what I've Mm -hmm. always believed as an entrepreneur. 
you make the product, you sell the product, or you support the two people who do. And then everybody wants to insert a management layer. Yeah. And then the managers then put more managers in, and then you have this managerial class. And in some cases, like, what value are they actually providing? That right. They're lording over some group of people making the product, and then some group of people selling the product. And what I is mean, their actual need, business? Well, like their business one. is meeting with people, right? and then checking that they're doing their work. Well, if people are working from home, and they're accountable to each other through time boxing, SOD, end of day reporting, and they're actually builders, you, you need much less managers. And that's what people are thinking about right now. That's what well, people are considering huge, right now. Exactly. Like this is a huge yeah. part of when we were having that conversation about the culture shift and the, mm -hmm. the you know, we had that <laughs> like worker versus manager. Yeah. Conversation. But one of the, one of those conversations is that management as a class mm -hmm. did not adjust at every company to right. remote work. And yeah. one of the ways you adjust to remote work is to say the idea of performative meetings and performative mm -hmm. check-ins so that you can prove to me that you're working as opposed to me managing to your outcomes yeah. and making sure that those outcomes are occurring, that didn't entirely go away. And so this could happen at a company that wasn't working remotely also, the meeting culture thing, but it works even better. And frankly, it does allow you not to be mercenary, but allow you to eliminate an entire layer of pretty highly paid people, which yeah. is not to say you don't need any product managers, right? You do need an organizing layer. Like you need a layer of some, a pre, of like you need a, a layer of some, and it could just be like one person per hundred who's just yeah. like, is this on track? Has everybody talked to everyone they need to talk to? Or those to? people could be player coaches. So, or they're player coaches. Exactly. Right. Like if you look at you are, people don't know this, but you help produce the show. So before the show goes on air, you spend a half hour with the producers looking at what they put in the show and going back and forth. You're a player coach. Mm -hmm. You're on, you're playing right now. You're doing the show as a performer as the co-host but you're also coaching everybody before the show goes on and doing the helping the production right so that role you know you're right. doing some management but you're also you know uh actually doing work and i think that's where things are going to go if yeah. you're want to be like the, the idea of a sales manager who doesn't sell a developer who doesn't write code the idea of um a product manager who doesn't make mock-ups you know all of that's going to go away yeah, I, I think, think in a market mm -hmm. like this, people are going to say, you know what, fire those two layers of management. Who's the third person? Okay, who's the top salesperson? Have the top salesperson sell 80% of the time and manage 20% of the time. That's where all this is going in my mind yeah. uh, in a down market. And of course, when things go gangbusters, at some point, we'll start adding more fat. <laughs> but right well, now, because you might find you need it to be more like 50-50, like managing is real and it's a real skill. And making sure. sure that people are okay, you know, like, especially at a big company, again, the more people you have, the more you do need to make sure the outcomes are occurring, and then optimize when they're not, maybe it's 50-50, and you're like, oh, we need a person. But yeah, like right now, no time for that. Nobody's got time for that. One of the All other right. big uh, trends we're looking toward in 2023 is what is going to happen, if anything, around all of this, like, antitrust and anti-competition legislation. And into the company tech companies have spent tons of money making sure that like amy klobuchar klobuchar's antitrust bill didn't go anywhere but it into that huh like over uh, the holiday her whole antitrust bill just got like boop, it's deleted. in hibernation yep they just uh spent a bajillion quadrillion dollars to make that all go away and yet and and apparently big tech is feeling fine about where they're sitting right now because yeah. apple went ahead <laughs> uh-huh over the weekend with its uh as of january 1st with its 
very controversial and consumer infuriating plan to shut down Dark Sky. Dark Sky is a weather app. Dark yep. Sky was beloved. Like it launched and it was a freaking sensation. It's graphically mm. stunning. You could like, you can zoom out to the whole globe and it gives you hour by hour micro targeted forecasting. It was a sensation. It was like, I think I paid $20 for it. It was so awesome. It was cross platform. It was mm. incredible. And then in March 2020, Apple bought it and it yes. came out a long time ago. Like, I feel like I've been using Dark Sky for almost 10 years. In 2020, yeah, it was founded in 2011 and launched in 2012. So everybody is like used to loving this app on Apple and Android. Apple comes along in 2020 and buys it and immediately shuts down the Android app and announces that it's going to kill Dark Sky as of January 1, 2023. Because <laughs> they're going to incorporate its features into the Apple Weather app and release an API. And I have to say that this is one of those things where they announced it and I was furious and I tweeted about it and I ranted mm. about it and da, 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 but I was like, there's no freaking way they're actually going to do that. The they're going to get too much trust in your mind here. They bought it. They own it. It's anti-competitive because they caught and killed a competitor. Catch and kill. Yeah. It's a anti-competitive. So yeah. explain that to the audience who so might like, not understand the concept here of why this feels underhanded. Yeah. So this is why. I'm not disagreeing, by the way. I'm asking on behalf of the Yeah. yeah no, absolutely. hundred percent. This is why, for example. Um, Lena Khan, when she came in as chair of the FTC, and even in the Amy Klobuchar antitrust bill, there are provisions about acquisitions. Yes. And Lena Khan had said at one point, I think that they were the FTC was going to go back in time and review some acquisitions to make sure that they weren't anti-competitive because it's a very common practice to take an up-and-comer, buy them, incorporate the technology, and shut down the competitor. Or in mm -hmm. the case of Instagram, just acquire it and you know, make it part of your business, but potentially starve it of resources. So it doesn't like cannibalize mm. the big blue. Yeah. That's the kind of classic example. This, this happened. Is, yeah. And so this is like a situation where Apple has a default weather app of its own. Mm -hmm. Bought Dark Sky, which was a huge competitor, literally removed it from a competitive mm. platform, Android. Yeah. And then incorporated all the best features into its weather app. The only way that it skates out of it being 100% anti-competitive is that they've now released an API from Dark Sky technology so that if you want to build a cool weather app on Android using that technology, you can. Yes. This, this has been seen uh, with Microsoft Office not being available for iOS. Remember that? It was never available for iOS. It's only available yep. on Microsoft's failed mobile operating system that they ran for a while. Bless. And then Windows uh, Mobile. Oh, once um, Bomber left, he was like, okay, fine, Office can work on uh, iOS. And it became some of the top, if you go to the top 100 productivity apps, I'm sure Excel and Word and Teams and all that stuff, that collection is available in the top. We had this happen. We invested in a company called Swell, mm -hmm. personalized radio app. And back in, I don't know what year this was, but uh, Apple bought it in 2014, maybe. And uh, they shut it down. And Swell yeah. was a really cool app. If you look at the image there, the way Swell worked was it would, and you can zoom in on that image, um, Swell would play you a card, you know, like a Tinder swiping card. Mm -hmm. It would start playing you uh, a portion of a podcast. So it might fast forward you to the best part of this week in service, this conversation right here on antitrust. And if you listen to the antitrust section, it would know, hey, you listen to this content. Now, when you swiped Molly, uh, when you got off of it, or you thumbs it up, or you bookmarked it, that would give it some signal that would show you more of that. So mm. let's say you listen to sports podcasts and 
when the NBA is on, it knows from the transcript you're listening to NBA content. But then all of a sudden, you know, Bill Simmons's podcast starts talking about the NFL and you swiped. Okay, it knows you like NBA. It knows you don't like NFL. You right. jumped off NFL. Wow. Then it knows, oh, you listen to the Knicks and Lakers, but you didn't listen to the Warriors and the Trailblazers. It, it just starts learning and it presents you with, you know, deep cuts into podcasting app. And uh, the, the, I think the reason Apple podcast app is so much better now, remember it was like kind of you were in iTunes and you were kind of, I guess I can't use the word ghettoized anymore. What's the term I can use so I don't get canceled? You were. Did I say ghettoized? Seg you were sort I, of I segregated. Like ghettoized. I don't no. know if that's super cancelable. Yeah, we're, we're not really. We're not it's allowed not to like use ghettoized. It's not cancelable, but it's not ideal. Okay. So it's, it's problematic, but not cancelable. Problematic. There we go. Got it. Okay. So can somebody please tell me a word I can use when I say they ghettoized it, they put it in the, you know. They sidelined uh, it. Sidelined it. Perfect. Okay. So they're not as good as ghettoized, but okay. No, it's not. Uh, We'll get there, folks. We're going to get there pocket. together on language they policing. They it. They made it like not a main character side stage. There's got to be something good. There's something, some way oh, for Brian's me. Oh, Brian's asking Sam. Oh, ask, uh, yeah, ask ChatGPT. Yeah. What's what a, is a word for ghettoized that J. Cal can use so he doesn't get canceled? Yeah. Thank there you. we go. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sam Altman. <laughs> Thank Bot. you, Sam Altman. Oh, Sam some, sim some Sam synonyms Bot. could include, I said segregated, yep. Isolated, quarantined, confined, or restricted. Quarantined? Might get canceled for that too, maybe. Oh, you would not. People might feel I'm me being cavalier about COVID and then cancel me for that. Anyway. Oh, for, if they, okay, well, if they do that, that's absurd. Let's just, we can <laughs> Where's in the fact, absurd line? There can in, in fact have layers. Speech. We I'm can so have layers. Policing speech. Okay, let's you move on. It. You do it way more than I do. <laughs> I do it because I think it's hilarious <laughs> as a bit. <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving on. Oh my God. This is lame. For it's Apple a, to do this, it's, it's they a should bad, be self-aware. It's a bad look at this time. It's a bad look. It's the same. See, what Apple does is they do this until somebody smacks their wrist. Right. iMessage is still not available on Android. Um, App Store is still not open. You could sideload App Stores onto Android, I understand, right? You can have different yeah, ones. You, mm -hmm. you couldn't have the iBook, the, the Audible issue on Apple. Mm -hmm. Apple abuses their monopoly position. Mm -hmm. until they get their wrist smacked and they push it as far as they can and then they pull back yeah. my understanding is apple is going to start letting people this has been a rumor that's going around that apple is going to allow other app stores soon mm. um which i think is great yeah and i think if all the video game companies get together and they all make their own app store or facebook meta plus the video game companies create an alternate app store i think that'd be great for apple it'll make apple yeah. look magnanimous and I'll, I'm not going to download stuff from some third-party app store. Why am I going to do that as a consumer? Well, that's consumer? the thing, exactly. I'm going to keep gonna using Apple. Use I it, want their, right. Yeah, but if I want yeah. gambling apps, Apple doesn't let me use gambling apps, right? Wagering apps, poker apps yeah. are going to be, or some they treat crypto a, apps. You treat, they treat every customer like a 15-year-old or a 14-year-old. Right. Adult apps. Or a 12-year-old. Yeah. Right, like, or more adult-themed apps, I guess, might not be allowed there. So, right. yeah, I mean, it'd be like a... It's an interesting, like, a, like what I think is interesting about this move. <laughs> the quarantine, <laughs> the quarantine <apps> area. There. <laughs> um, what I do think about is interesting about this move is that they went ahead with it. Like it, to me, it shows some confidence that they're mm. not going to get their hands left right now. Like they've spent a long time, you know, they killed the, the mm -hmm. Android app a long time ago when maybe yep. people weren't paying that much attention. 
They've spent a long time inter- integrating the API into the existing weather app. And unfortunately, like I'm with all the other Twitter users who are like, yeah, but it still sucks. It's all form over function. It's too slow. It's too graphical. It's too hard to see like multiple locations. It's just like, yeah. bleh. Um, it's not for you. You want the power app. Um, I, well, what I this want does the thing is, I've been using for a decade. Here's all you have to do. Some group, this, this is an opportunity for some group of founders to make a cross-platform gorgeous app again. They already have. So go find people who worked at dark skies. As a matter of fact, let's do that right now. If there are a group of employees who previously worked at dark skies who want to restart it, email molly at launch.co pitch them on coming to our accelerator. We'll give you a hundred thousand dollars to recreate, not recreate. I should say, well, to evolve. There's an app called carrot. I mean, you never use dark sky, so you don't know, but this Uh new app called carrot is a literal clone. Except with like more personality and games and stuff. So it's already, it's happening happening. because the API is out there. Yes. Um, But to me, it it bespeaks some confidence about the current, the competition crackdown landscape that Apple's like, yeah, "Yeah, we're going to go ahead and kill it. Apple will push the envelope until somebody wrist slaps them. When they get wrist slapped, they'll respond. And what they do is they push it so they can, and, and all companies do this. They push the envelope, they build their moats. And then when the moats fully entrenched, then they let things happen that are they, they open their system up. They did it with browsers. Remember, they banned Dolphin Browser, Opera Browser, Firefox. You couldn't use those on iOS. You could only use Safari. Yep. And at a certain point, people started shaking the cage and rattling and wrist slapping. And then finally, like, okay, now you can have it in year. I think it's probably year five or six of the iPhone. They let people have browsers. Right. They did the same thing with Interop. They, they did the same thing with uh, Audible, right? Now you can buy credits on Audible and then buy books, you know. Totally. I honestly think that um, the other interesting miss, you know, look, this might not be the world's biggest outcry. I just did a hashtag search. It's like 444 tweets in the last hour. So it's not the hottest topic on the Internet, but people are very mad about it. Mm -hmm. Um, It also seems kind of adorable that Apple doesn't seem to get that the weather is kind of a big deal. Uh, Yeah. Like people are legit weather nerds anyway. Yes, you're absolutely I, there's right. There's a whole group called absolutely like Snow right. Pals and um, snowpals.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and what snowpals.org is, is I think, yeah, there's like, I have a couple of these snow trackers. And so it turns out the whole ski community, there are a mm-hmm. bunch of meteorologists um, who uh, will make custom more granular so to speak predictions for Hail. snow for mountains and they do it for tahoe they do it for utah they do it for hokkaido wherever and uh they've made like a little pop-up business out of it so mm-hmm. these specific meteorologists are now essentially having their own like patreon Substack subscription services and apps and you know they'll make like a couple hundred thousand a year a hundred dollars at a time get a thousand people to subscribe get two thousand people to subscribe and you can get for 50 or 100 bucks a year, you know, real time reporting because the reporting on snow matters. Yes. I have cameras on the mountain, which Just you like see surfing. behind me. Yeah. Surfing has it. There's one for surfing. And so, yeah, let a thousand flowers bloom. The smart move would be, and this would be also be a little anti competitive, would be for like a Google mm-hmm. to copy that model and then in their weather reporting have more granular services. That's actually the direction they should be going. Like if I type yeah. in, there's one for surfing. Well, and that's what Apple should be doing. Apparently the, those yeah. same people have a surfing one called Magic Seaweed. If you want to be anti-competitive, then make a better product. 
right? Like the hallmark mm. of you being anti-competitive is when you then integrate these services into a crappier product, like the weather product is crappier when mm. it actually could have become the flake by flake snow tracker or the built-in surfing predictions based on your interests and where you like to surf. But no, 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 they just made a crappier thing and they killed my favorite thing. You don't go around killing something that's been around for a decade just to be a D. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's lame. It's lame when they kill stuff. I mean, I get it. I think they gave you 10 years. That's enough. No, they you gave you 10 two. year. They should just give you like a warning. How much warning did they give you? Like a None? year. Oh, they gave you a year. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, no, not I'm just enough. saying I'm just saying it's a bad look. Like if you really want this competition conversation to quiet down a little. Don't be killing people's favorite toys and giving them crappier versions. It is a little lame. I agree. Just, All right. And uh, here's a fun video, Molly. Uh, we'll play it right now. This will tell you uh, which were the largest sites on the internet yeah. over time. I love when people make these graphics. If you're not seeing it, it's a bar chart, you know, and it's like racing ahead. AOL is number one, Yahoo number two, MSN, Excite, GeoCities, Lycos, Netscape, BBC, Amazon, etc. And this is a and most popular website since 1993 as it changes over time. Yeah. Speaking and of competition and yeah. <laughs> how. Whew. And yeah, you oh, see Yahoo, Yahoo makes runs a away with it when runaway. broadband happens and AOL starts oh, yeah. shrinking when broadband happens. That's what happens in 1999, 2000 is the 2001. Broadband that's when all those Yahoo people, every meeting you had with them, they were so cocky. I'm just saying Oof. they were yeah. so cocky. Yeah. They I were mean, like, well, we have a fire hose of traffic. What do you have, loser? Yeah, and they, and then uh, all they of a sudden brought about 2005. Saying, AOL Ooh, bought it. Here comes Google. Uh, oh, damn. Here comes. And then comes Google. Woof. Racing. Wow. Ahead. I can't wait till YouTube and That's Facebook like a show year. up. In MySpace a year. was up there. Now MySpace is falling. Yeah, who makes there's a little comeback Boom. around 2008 and there's YouTube just yeah, and then Facebook. Up. YouTube and Facebook coming in. And At some point, we'll see Twitter here. here. comes pride and in the bank. Wikipedia Heart also is. getting listed at the top of Google. Uh, you get some Yandex in there. Wow, obviously. Yahoo kind of makes a couple of comebacks over the years. You got to admit, yeah, I mean, Yahoo still has. Oh, but there's Facebook, the dark billions. horse. Yeah, well, Facebook becomes oh, number one Facebook, at some point. Yeah, 2012, 2013, Facebook's just that line. Twitter, Facebook and YouTube are. Oh, look, look at that little baby Twitter. Baby Twitter coming Ooh, in. Oh, look at yeah. baby Amazon below Twitter. Yeah, and a lot of this is about globalization. If you think about YouTube and Facebook and Google, they just did a really good job building global services. Facebook's moving to the inside. You know, Google gets a lot of visits, but they're short visits. So this isn't time on site. If this was time on site, YouTube would be higher My here. Space is oh, and there's X video in 10th oh. place. What's oh. X video? I have to Google that. <laughs> I wonder what that is. Maybe I should Google X video. Chat. Hey, hey, Sam Bot. Oh, What's Twitter's X growing. Video? Yeah, don't do it. Wikipedia Baidu starts creeping up to your globalization yeah. point. Baidu's creeping yeah. up. Now we're in 2022 and Google is far and away the winner. YouTube right after. So Google owns most for of visits, the traffic not on time the on site. But right, even Twitter is still number four. Then we got Facebook, Twitter yeah. at number four, Baidu in there. Always great amazing. to look at. Good times, the, good the, times. the big thing here is what's a global service that you come back to multiple times a day? Yeah. And, uh, you know, social networks, search engines and video. The start of a new year is always a good time to revisit the past. All right, everybody. Great show. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.